Welcome to episode three of the Movement Docs podcast. Today we'll be sitting down with our good friend Gerard Talbot-Paul, talking about gains, growth, and grad school. Gerard's got a lot of knowledge to share, and we hope you guys enjoy. Welcome and thank you for joining us for episode three of the Movement Docs podcast, titled Gains, Growth, and Grad School. I'm Mike. And I'm Jake. And we're here today with one of our very close friends, Gerard Tablet-Paul. He's a certified athletic trainer healing from Pembroke Pines, Florida, and originally from PG County, Maryland. He graduated this past May with a master's of science in athletic training from Shenandoah University. Currently, he's in the application process for PT school. Outside of being a nerd for his profession, he loves to play soccer and strength train. His family is from Trinidad, and he loves curry. Well, he looks like Steph Curry. <laughs> he also loves oxtail, plantains, and pigeon peas. We're so happy to introduce the goat himself, weighing in at 140-ish pounds, Gerard Talbot-Paul. Let's go! <laughs> what up? What's what up? up? What's up, G? What's going on? How's the fam? How's moms? Fam? Moms is good, man. Moms is Send my love. I will. <laughs> I sent it. Uh, we're so we're so. I think she feels it. I think she feels it. This is going to be awesome. Oh yeah, I mean, it's not like we're professional at this whole podcast thing yet, so... You don't need to be professional, bro. <laughs> the journey, baby. <laughs> Getting better every day, am I right? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> All right, Mike, let's kick yeah. this thing off. Yeah, what are we talking about let's today, Jake? <laughs> um, well, because Gerard has a very interesting background, um, being that he went to athletic training school with us, but he's on the pure AT side of things. He's lived that for a couple of years now, and he's transitioning into PT school. I think he has a little bit different perspective than two of us do. He's also had some different clinical experiences. He's gone to some cool places. Um, and I kind of want to see his transition from school, um, how, he, how he dealt with grad school, maybe talk about um, you know, dealing with like, you know, grades and studying, his study habits, um, how, how he fared when he came in versus how he fared when he came out. And then um, maybe talk a little bit about the profession, some certifications, um, and just kind of pick his brain overall. Wow, pick my brain. I feel like a celebrity. You are a celebrity, Gerard. Uh, all 46 of our viewers are going to love you. <laughs> hey, we went from two to out to them. <laughs> hey, two to 46. That's pretty good. As, hey, go. man, like, like what, three days? It's not bad. What up, SoundCloud? <laughs> what up? <laughs> um, all right, so, G, let's, uh, let's start with um, uh, kind of at the beginning of your grad school process. So yeah. when you went into Shenandoah, you were a three and two group, um, cohort. Uh, mm -hmm. what's, I don't really know if that's the right title, but you were a three and two student. So you did three years three of undergrad, and, yeah. and then you went in to do two years of grad school, where your first mm -hmm. year of grad school was your last year of undergrad. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that, how you chose that program, and kind of what that transition was like from undergrad to grad school? Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually didn't initially go to Shenandoah for like the pre-admit because my grades and coming out of high school were like I had like a 3-2 and I think you needed like a 3-5 to get into the pre-admit okay so so like my past like in high school and stuff I always liked challenges like if my math that was too easy I would try to get into like the honors class or something like that right mm -hmm. so I got to Shenandoah one of my friends was pre-admit and like the class was kind of like, I mean, I was taking like 12 credits or something or like 14 one semester. And I kind of want another challenge or whatever. And one of my friends were, 
was a uh, pre-admit. He was doing like the, he came in as pre-admit. So he, he was on the track of doing like three and two, right? So I asked my advisor, I was like, is there any way I can still do the pre-admit program? And she was like, yeah, you just have to get 90 credits by your junior year, which is that three year mark, right? So I was like, uh, for sure, I'm trying to do that. But actually like in the process of thinking about doing like the pre-admit stuff, like I was thinking about doing the the dual program as well. Oh, okay. Okay. But like, you that like, there were history of like students who did the pre-admit for AT or PT, but and then they played played their sport as well. But if they did, they really couldn't play their sport in the dual program. So I chose to do the AT because I still wanted to play soccer or whatever. So that's how like I got into the pre-admit. It wasn't traditional like applying from high school, I got in like sophomore year, the past sophomore year, and then here I am now, went to grad school and stuff. So yeah, finished 90 credits by the end of my junior year and then started that summer at school. Gotcha. So what was that for you? What was that transition like going from undergrad to grad school? Was it a big difference in like the, yeah, the rigor? Yeah, it was. It was. It was. So my, so doing that decision of doing pre-admit so probably my hardest semester in undergrad was taking a prerequisite at the same time as another class so it was like i was taking amp2 with exercise phys i would say that was like the hardest part of undergrad mm -hmm. and plus like time management with soccer and all that but then like like in undergrad like i would study maybe two days before maybe a day before an exam and then like that summer came and it was just like I had to balance soccer and like it was my last year so preseason was coming up and I had to get good grades in order to play soccer so it was like the chicken or the egg kind of situation uh -huh. so it's like do I train to be like do well in preseason because like the season before that, I did really well in my conditioning test. So I was, I'm also, I was also a captain as well. So like I had to be an example for my teammates. So that was pressure as well. Mm -hmm. So do I put all my efforts into training for a preseason or do I put all my effort into like academics and try to, and be able to play, you know what I'm saying? So like it was just double pressure. So I kind of, I didn't do as well as I wanted to like, training wise so I would maybe train like twice a week conditioning wise barely play soccer mm. like most of the times I would go home and study so we had class from like eight to four all right you come home you decompose for like an hour and like do I go train that's like a two and a half hour endeavor mm. and then come home at like eight and then still have to study for like three hours and then go to sleep like I was really I really loved my sleep because I thought it was important yeah. so I would have to be like oh, I can't train now so I had to go study like mind you like that first summer was 10 weeks right you guys know I'm preaching to the choir but <laughs> put this in like perspective mm -hmm. so like it was 10 weeks right 15 credits so five classes right it's like you're getting waterboarded right so <laughs> like you're <laughs> like you're like someone's pouring like using hose pouring water in your mouth right but you can't spill any of the water out you have to keep it all in or else like you're going to be behind in your in class or you're going to fail out 
right? But in this case, the water is knowledge. Yes, so precisely. They're like just so like, imbuing you yeah. with intelligence. Exactly. <laughs> right. So I had to swallow or like keep that water in the whole time and try to and try to train at the same time. What happened? So, what happened if you laugh? Would some of the water like spill out of your mouth? Yeah, yeah. No, actually, on my nose, and that was even that's even worse. <laughs> Cause then you have our professors like eyeballing you, like why are you laughing? <laughs> so, so, so naturally, I, like in for the beginning was obviously rough. So I try to do my same old thing I did in undergrad. I would do like our first anatomy test was coming up. So yeah, I kind of I paid attention in class or whatever. I went home, read over the PowerPoint a few times, um, thought I knew what I was talking about went to study with some classmates I remember this and they were like they were trying to quiz me and I, I, I was like uh, I don't know and they would just like laugh because I, I I mean I would say I don't know but then I usually in undergrad I'd be like I don't know but then the next when the test comes I know what I'm talking about that was not the case so we took the test um, got back a solid 68 hey. right solid but even before that like one of the quizzes I bonded and like the head athletic trainer at Shenandoah, he, he was like the athletic trainer for soccer team, right? And he would be in contact with the professors. And like, they basically told me like, if I don't do well, I won't be able to play. Mm. So they're basically, he's saying like, if you don't like pick your grades up, even though it's like the very beginning, like if you don't pick your grades up, like you won't be able to play, right? So I'm like, dang, this is not, this is not going as planned. I might, might as well just boot this dream of trying to be an AT student as well as a student athlete. So the summer goes on, like another exam we had was a Therex exam. I remember Jacob was my patient and I, I thought I did well. And my professor basically was like, I didn't fail it, but I got like a 72. Okay. And um, it just was, it was just wasn't looking too hot in the beginning. And then I don't know what it was like, the next phase of the summer, we moved down to the like the back and well we begin in, we began in the back and the hip, which was pretty difficult to grasp early on, especially as like this is all this is new to me. Mm -hmm. So we moved down to like the knee and stuff like that, which was getting kind of familiar-ish, right? And we started we had this like teaching project, right? So I was I was like I need to change like something. Okay. So I went home, like before the teaching project, I like took out, got the book, I think it was like Dutton or something, got the PowerPoints up and like basically read, wrote every detail out, I went extra on details and just like went overboard pretty much. Went to the teaching project, killed it, <laughs> right? And then like studying for the exam, I just went through all the topics and just like did that for each of the topics that we had was covered on the test. Basically, I just read the book, um, did that like three, like this process was like a three-day process, right? The book, PowerPoint, um, just went over and over, and then the test comes, and then like I'm zooming through the answers, and I get it back, and it's like 97. I'm like, yo, what? This, <laughs> like this is, we're, we're on the up and up now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, and then, my, like I said before, like my Therex first, practical wasn't too hot i'm sorry about that and buddy. Then, it's all good in the past <laughs> i know i can be a tough patient 
I remember like I didn't know another open chain exercise for groups. I can't even I can't believe that. Like looking back on that, like what? Okay, so anyways. So <laughs> Isn't it isn't it crazy? Like just to kinda like we'll pause like right here, but just yeah. reflection of like where you are right now. Looking back on that first test and you're like, I can't believe I didn't know more than one open chain glute exercise. <laughs> and like right now, now you could probably name like fifteen. Yeah. In like ten seconds. Yeah, got it. <laughs> uh, I think the other thing too that so there's some other details here that Gerard is leaving out. Um, <clears throat> one is that he was also working at Bob Evans. So oh yeah, he yeah. Was yeah. Trying, was he was trying to do different. grad school, right? As basically as a um, a senior in college, he was trying to do grad school. Yeah. Um, and that first AT summer is basically boot camp. Boot camp. <laughs> he's trying to play soccer and make sure he's in shape because soccer season's starting. And he's working at Bob Evans, I think at least two or three days a week. Cause I remember, yeah, it was mostly on the weekends, right? So I had it set up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then I quickly was like, okay, I need to boot this Sunday because sometimes we had exams on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I needed like the whole day pretty much and people would meet up. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to do Friday, Saturday night. Which, I mean, it worked out okay. Mm-hmm. But I, like, sometimes I would really need like that whole day to like look over stuff and meet up with people and practice. So. And when he yeah. says he's on the up and up, he was on the up and up for quite a long time because, if I'm not mistaken, at uh, our cohort's graduation, you ended up with the highest GPA in the class. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're going to spoil the surprise already, man. <laughs> Dang. Oh, okay, well, let, me, let me progress you guys. <laughs> we'll go through the whole story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, 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 my bad. I didn't mean to. You can yeah, fast yeah, you forward can. through that, people. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back All to right, the. So, look, so, look, so. So yeah, Derek didn't go too high in the beginning, and then this way. So now we're going towards the end of end of uh, our summer, and this is when me and Mike became like best friends because like it was our last practical and usually practical like patho stuff. Like like I was I was getting the hang of that. That was that that didn't give me too much trouble, but like that's when I I did really I did like one key like I got through. Rascal was like really key on details and and um, when like be an overachiever pretty much like it's really weird to say but like do extra like I I was an overachiever I did like I studied extra stuff that people like the professors would say is nice to know and like so that practical like I did well <laughs> and then ended up being able to play soccer so like at the end of that semester I was walking in the halls and then our professor John put me in his office and like yo gee this that was an awesome summer and like I felt and I was like can I play and he's like uh yeah you can play right so I was <laughs> god that's awesome and then that's yeah, like yeah. that's like one of those moments if John gives you a compliment like that yeah that's like you just like you can tear up a little bit because like that means a lot yeah like I put in some serious oh, yeah, work, like, and then um, yeah, and then the fall wasn't too bad. The only thing that was hard about the fall was uh, so I would go to clinical. I worked football in the beginning a little bit. Would go to clinical, and then football practice would be two, two and a half hours, and then I would have practice right after. So I would have to bring snacks, drink a ton of water, and like. Um, 
yeah, just trying to be prepared for the, the practice or whatever. But one thing I almost left out. So mind you, I was still training here and there for, for preseason. Mm -hmm. So I go to preseason. The first day is the mile and a half test that you need to get under nine minutes. So we kick that off and then we finish it. I finish in like 8.55. I cross the finish line. I'm not going to curse, but I was like, with grad school, like, and with grad school, what? And I was, it was just like super moment. Got dabs from, got high fives from uh, like the head AT and my coach was like, yeah, super proud of you, stuff like that. So that was, that was pretty uh, fulfilling at that moment. And then otherwise, like fall our online classes, I mean, they weren't too bad. And then balancing that wasn't too hard, so. Hey, don't forget the really hard uh, part was the summer. Don't forget, I got you in the gym too. We were doing some. You were doing oh some, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, some lifting. Jacob got a little close. <laughs> yeah, we. Like, yeah, to, I'm trying to come through and power lift. We used to roll in the in my S10 up to Russie's house <laughs> and squat in the garage. Yeah, with the door open. That was like super old school, like just hardcore powerlifting. <laughs> Bunch of sweaty yeah. dudes in a garage. <laughs> Nothing better. Doesn't get better than that. <laughs> That's the pinnacle, yeah. the pinnacle of achievement right there. So basically, a bunch of sweaty guys. <laughs> if if we kind of like sum all this up, I mean, you had yeah. you had to figure out really quickly how to manage your time, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> because that, that first summer like hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah, like you were not you were not ready for that. So undergrad study skills, not quite sure. the, not quite the same in grad yeah, school. Yeah, they got me got me through, but like. I had to like set my game up, and even like through grad school, like my studying changed over time. So after that summer and fall, as we got to the spring, and uh, we that's when we started like upper extremity anatomy with one of our professors, which was like an in-person class, and like I did the same kind of routine I did. I read the book with the powerpoints, came to the I was teaching people, thought, thinking I know what I was talking about, came to the test. On the exam, like things he was saying that was not on the PowerPoint, and like, what? I was just like, are you kidding me? So that was like a super hard test. I didn't bomb in like the first anatomy exam, but then I started adapting like recording lectures. If we're trying to give advice to like students and stuff, so like, started recording lectures, started listening them over and over again, taking notes, what he was saying that was not on the PowerPoints, and then like, over the next couple of exams, I just killed them. And then, excuse me, I just belched. <laughs> but, uh, so, <laughs> so, and then it evolved after that. Next summer, I added, added reading the book, added recording. And then also, I added, because I, like, my, the way I live is kind of like reverse engineering, like, successful people. Mm -hmm. Like, not to flatter you guys, but I looked at you guys like you guys were successful. How I would ask you guys, how would you study? And you guys, yeah, I kind of review every night, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hmm, taking mental notes. That must cool. be, you must have been asking yeah, yeah, Mike how he Mike. studied. Jacob, so, so everything comes like natural. <laughs> because if I remember so, correctly, second summer of AT school, Gerard pretty much every night would come to my place. Like, we would, he would just, <laughs> I'd like pick him up from his house or he'd, well, no, you had a car by then, so you'd drive over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd just be like doors open and I would literally be like sleeping on the couch watching <laughs> what we'd watch like anime on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And Gerard, that? Gerard would that? study that uh, Seven Deadly Sins. That was, yeah, that, was that one, Blue Exorcist, Sinbad, <laughs> Adventures of Sinbad. 
we we went through quite a bit of anime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like Gerard would come over. Well, I didn't. You would fall asleep. Gerard <laughs> would come over with all these books, and I'd just be like posted up on the couch, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah, just ask me some questions. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd like have flashcards. He'd be like, oh, you know, what's the proximal attachment to this, or like. You know, in our, our advanced topics, like, you know, what, what are the specific, like, grass and techniques if you're going to, you know, use this tool or, sorry, this instrument on this particular area of the body? And yeah, I'd, yeah. like, I'd, like, rattle something out. And, like, what are some, like, <laughs> exercises for, like, this muscle group? Just start BSing, like, the uh, answers. I'm, like, uh, close. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's actually this. So it was just, like, every single day almost. Yeah, but the, the moral of the story is, like, Gerard definitely did not reverse engineer my study habits. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, that summer I was doing, I had all the classes in the morning, so what, like 12 credits or something. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. by lunch every day, I had to go to clinic. So I was working like four or five hours after class every day. And then I was trying to lift. So I like get like two, three hours in the gym. Class doing like 24 hour fast because you didn't eat. Oh, yeah, because I was, I was doing like intermittent fasting for whatever that summer. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Basically, by the time we came to study, I would just sleep on the couch and Gerard, I would just absorbed all of Gerard's knowledge from osmosis. <laughs> Knocked out. I'm like, quizzing him, like, whatever. No, no, no use anymore. I'd wake up at like one o'clock in the morning, the TV's on, the lights are on, Gerard's gone. <laughs> and go, I guess it's time to go to bed. <laughs> we'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. But that's, that's actually really great to hear uh, your story, G, because I don't know if we ever like, just spend some time just like talk about your whole process and how you've been able to like grow and like and work through your whole your whole process you know uh you you talk a lot about like keying in on the details and what i really liked about your Mm -hmm. whole story was that uh you had to struggle a little bit to figure out the best way for Mm -hmm. you to learn and it always just makes me think of uh just like a couple of these quotes you know like what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you and so you know you need Mm -hmm. to be challenged a little bit so you actually get that that growth factor you know you need to to be in an uncertain environment to, to really facilitate that growth. So it's just awesome. Yeah. And like part of this like success, I guess, is like mindset too. My attitude towards this stuff was like, like some people in my, in, so some people would like they're here, oh, we have a test next week or this is due tomorrow and be, and say, oh, why? Or, oh my gosh, really? We just had this today. <laughs> and I'm like, oh uh, yeah, let's go. Like. Like, I'll accept the challenge. Like, I more so, like, wanted it. I think part, of, like, part of that mindset, that part of that mindset, 2G, is uh, looking at tests and exams and papers as a, an opportunity to learn, to test your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like this overbearing, like, evil thing that's in the future. It's, okay, let me see what I know, and then if I need to learn more stuff or go back and review some things, um, mm-hmm. I'll go back and do that. <laughs> because I think, especially in the health profession grad school realm, we often get, you know, especially it, we're from that mindset of undergrad where it's like, I got to get all the best grades. I have to get, you know, perfect yeah. scores and everything because I need to get to grad school. Right. Once you're in grad school, as long as you're, hey, you're in grad yeah, one, once you're, as long as you're eligible and you're not on probation, like you're good to go. <laughs> so you can get B's, you can get C's. You don't have to always get A's because yeah. it, you know, the crux of what we're learning is how to save people's lives in the AT world, right? Mm-hmm. How to help people get better, um, and if you can't, if you can't make that switch from, I'm just learning stuff to get good grades versus, I'm learning how to help people change their lives or help help save people's lives. Yeah, you know that's that's a little bit. I think it's a little bit different. It kind of makes you 
realize why you're doing it. And um, I know for me that made it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It hit, hit close like, yeah, for me. My A's that I tried to get wasn't because I wanted to get A's. It was just like a byproduct of me testing my knowledge, first of all, like you were saying, like seeing where I was mm-hmm. at. Did I put in enough work to deserve this A or did I not did I not put in enough and I might get a B or might get the boot, like a C or something like that? No. So it was really like just a test. Like, yeah, it's a test, but it's a test. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm testing myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, yep. it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be this like stressful anxiety attack inducing, you know, dark thing in the future. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's like a checkpoint. You're just like, all right. Let me see what I know. Yeah. And you roll out the answers and, you know, if you don't know them, you don't know them. Just learn it next time or go yeah. back and review. Yeah, because even like our professors, like, I remember one of them, she, like, she wasn't that great in school, but, like, she's obviously an awesome, like, uh, clinician, Rose. Mm-hmm. Like, she said, like, she got, like, bees or something like that. And then clearly, 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 guys, <laughs> she's an awesome. <laughs> she's a, she's an OG, if you will. Yeah, like I'm trying to be mm-hmm. like her, and she's telling us like she graduated with like a three two or mm-hmm. something. But like it doesn't matter. It's like she's she, even she says she values the um, the students who get Bs in class, but then go into clinical or graduating and become like really good clinicians. So mm-hmm. partly grades don't matter, and partly they yeah. do. They matter a little bit, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of a flashback to our first podcast, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Just like when you're getting into PT school. They matter a little they bit. They matter a little bit, but not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, like, great, man. <laughs> so, so okay. how was it, to kind of go back to the original discussion that we were having about, like, balancing yeah. sports and stuff, um, how, did you, how did the season end up for you? Um... So, Shenandoah is not really that uh, awesome at sports, but <laughs> my class coming in was supposed to be like a big class and try to move, like, Shenandoah was a growing team. And I, me and my five, four seniors, like, accepted that challenge or whatever. I mean, like, it was one of the successful seasons that Shenandoah ever had. Like, it was the best ODAC record Shenandoah had. I'm not going to say the record, but <laughs> it was the best record. So, like, the top eight usually uh, go through to the tournament, and we were, like, like to the ODAC tournament, and we were, like, ninth, and, like, we were maybe if we won a game or if we tied a game previously that we lost, we would have got in. So it was, like, I mean, yeah, it was successful in, like, relatively mm-hmm. How did so you found success on the field and in the classroom? Yeah, that's, that's what you're trying to get out of me. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yes, so I do. I have a question for you too, G. Uh, so mm-hmm. for a lot of the listeners, they probably don't know uh, the commitment that it takes uh, to be both uh, an athlete and also, you know, go into grad school. You know, some people mm-hmm. are applying to PT school and and maybe want to think about doing sports too. Uh, can you speak a little bit about mm. the level of commitment that's required? Like, what, what did you have to go through for being an athlete as well as, as doing grad school? Good question, Mike. Um, well, 
so even before grad school, like I would train, like over the summer. I would. I remember my junior, my senior, my summer going into junior year was like my best preparation, and that season was like one of my best years. So like that summer, like I would train like twice a week. I mean twice a day. Twice a day. Excuse me. Okay. Twice a week would be awful. Yeah, like in the morning, do two days. So in the morning, and then at night I would train, and then I was on a summer team. So in the morning I would train sometimes, or if I had work, I would work and then go train after work and then go go to uh, practice with that team. So like, it's really up to you, like how what you value. Because I mean, some people they they're okay with like being mediocre. Like they're okay with like just being good enough yeah. in everything, like in in sports and like in class. Like I gave you examples of how people would complain about like we have exams mm-hmm. and stuff. But I feel like you have to be like decide like that you're not gonna be mediocre. So even when I had like grad school mm-hmm. that summer, I made sure I got in like two at, like at least two runs in a week, like good hardcore runs that would help me, like be like even do decently well in that preseason. But I'll also put the same effort in like studying as okay. well. So, yeah, I feel like it's it's like a mindset shift. You have to decide to be decide to be successful, mm-hmm. right? And devote yourself to like your goals that you're trying to okay. achieve. See, I think that kind of speaks to like prioritizing what's really important to you. Mm-hmm. And I, I know but it sucks because like both were important. Yeah. I didn't like it was hard to like if I picked one, went all in one, one the other one would suffer. Yeah. So I kind of I kind of got a little bit of both at the end. Like I, I passed or whatever clearly, <laughs> and I passed one out of three of the fitness tests. I mean, may, I I would like to pass like two at least. But I passed one and I passed grad school, so I kind of got a little bit of both. So yeah, I mean, and some people like decide, like some people would decide not to do sports their senior year because they really value. Well, I valued my education, but they value education more than playing sports. Okay, so it's really just trying to figure out what's important to you and making sure that you find the time for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that's something that you know, especially for the students that are listening out there, it's not like you can't do something that you love in your free time. Like, yes, grad school is a commitment. Yeah. You got to do a lot of studying. There are lots of, you know, expectations that you need to prepare for. But at the same time, like there's plenty of people in my class that go hiking, you know, all the time, visit national parks Mm -hmm. on the weekends. I mean, I, I was very dedicated to powerlifting for the majority of my grad school career. Um, I would do two, three meets a year and still train 12 to 15 hours a week in the gym. So it's possible, but you need to find those things and you need to um, prioritize them in your schedule. Yeah. You know, it's, I think yeah, it's... Yeah, man, we went out every Friday, man. <laughs> got to have, have a life outside of school, mm-hmm. but you got to care about yeah. school as well. Yeah, I think you, what you guys have just mentioned, you know, it's, it's really important to find your outlet, your muse, you know, things that you can use uh, that are outside of school too. Because if you spend so much time just trying to to crush as much information as you can and that you make that your entire life, then you're going to burn out real quick. Uh Yeah, you can't. I think that's one thing that prospective students, current students, 
I mean, I know Gerard talked a lot about how he, he was constantly reading, listening to lectures, like writing stuff out. I mean, he put a lot of time and a lot of work into um, preparing for, for grad school. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like he also found balance and he, you know, we would sit there and watch anime for a couple hours. Yeah. There were nights and even that there yeah. were nights where we he, we'd just be like, yeah, screw it. We're not studying tonight. We're just going to watch like three hours of of Sinbad. Yeah. But it, you, know, you can't you can't burn yourself out. That's the thing you always have to combat is burnout because there's so much stuff going on. It's so easy to get lost in the studying and just trying to put mm-hmm. push more of, you know, of that knowledge in your brain. But it, <clears throat> at some point, you're getting diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. You can't continually do it forever. You need to find that balance. Because, yeah. I mean, even if we go back and kind of compare this to the world of strength training, right? I mean, I could go squat every day if I wanted to. And I'd probably get that stronger. Was, that was a thing one day, one time. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could Bulgarian method it. I could get stronger. But <clears throat> is it also maybe more optimal to, to squat maybe like twice a week and then let my body recover so that I can get that anabolic process going yeah mm-hmm. i mean like even that first summer like it's it's kind of like overall you should adopt like energy management even that first summer like sometimes i remember one specific time i went home it was like nine o'clock and i was like screw studying i'm super stressed i'm going to sleep like some people would stay up to like one two o'clock in the morning studying but like i was like screw this i'm going to sleep and like i get up the next day and i'm super sharp and he gave me more energy to put into like class time and then that night I had more energy to put into studying time or if I decided to train or something like that so yeah definitely energy management as well and like finding your outlet stuff like that yeah I think um when I when I mentioned me and Gerard's previous study sessions uh that's that's the habit that I was employing right there was energy conservation energy management I was I was sleeping so that I would be recharged the next day, yeah. um, more f- more that focused on my Facebook in class and my iMessage. <laughs> so sending cat gifs with lasers coming out of their eyes. Yeah, I was in in retrospect, I was I was a really good bad student. <laughs> I'm still a really good bad student because <laughs> I still have two more programs to finish. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Jake. But that's, I mean, that's just part of my, I guess my, my own energy management, but (laughs) everybody's, everybody's different. (laughs) So G, G, I remember, uh, I remember this, this, uh, experience that I had with you and I just typed out a quote because I remembered it from you. Um, it was a day, it was like coming back from a long day of PT classes. You know, we had like adult neuro lab and all this kind of stuff. And, and then uh, came yeah. to the athletic training clinic for football. And I remember you were in the clinic. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at you and I was like dead tired and really like stressed out. I had this like big exam the next day. And uh, I think it was like histology or something. And, and me and histology just don't mix very well. And, yeah. yeah and so <laughs> I, remember being, like, I remember being really stressed out about it and be like, oh, I got to learn all this stuff. And I remember you just looked at me and you like grabbed my shoulders and you're like, dude, you can't study when you're stressed out. <laughs> And yeah, right. oh, it just yeah. hit me so hard and it, it makes so much sense, but it's true. You know, it's yeah. Cause even that first summer, there were students that would try to learn by saying, why can't I remember this? Why can't I remember this? But every time I learned the best was like, say it was a Sunday morning, right? Didn't eat for a couple hours. Nice little 
fasted state going on and I would open my book and just like breathe and like read it and like and like repeat it a couple of times and like oh now this makes mm -hmm. sense no wonder I can't learn it after a full day of class and I'm tired and trying to mm -hmm. go to sleep yeah yeah like you can't learn in a sympathetic state man you gotta be you gotta be willing to absorb it how are you supposed to absorb when you're in a fight or flight kind of uh <laughs> That's so true. Hey man, I've been, I've been. Uh, I don't know how you do it. So I'm just talking about the bell curve here, not. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying. Dude, I uh, I had a sleep study um, on Monday night. Oh yeah, I saw the snap. Yeah. <laughs> dude, after one just one night with of like literally it was probably like four hours with the CPAP and like actually pumping some oxygen in my brain. Mm. Dude, I can't even tell you how much of a difference that made. Yeah. And. I mean, that probably goes back to why I was always passed out on the couch. But, um, <laughs> like, it it really, that I think that moment for me really hit home how important sleep is and how um, you really need to to decompress and you need to have, let, let your body recover. And um, yeah. so I, I feel you. I, I now understand what it's like to be now sharp and crisp and clear. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's great. So if we were to if we were to summarize those those big key points from the things that we just talked about, you know, uh, talked a lot about energy conservation, making sure that you know you're in it for the the marathon, not the sprint. Uh, work hard, play hard. You know, have that balance between the two. You can't study when you're stressed out, and make sure that you prioritize your what's important to you and and utilize those time management mm -hmm. skills. Yeah, don't don't uh, give up on something if it's an if it's important to you or part of who you are, um, keep, keep up with your hobbies. There's always going to be time for them. And, and I mean, realize that, you know, there are your hobbies, they're your interests, like they're always going to be there, but don't completely get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Make time, do what you enjoy, never lose sight of like who you are and what you, you know, what you like to do. Cause it's important. Yeah. It's really important to do those things. It's crucial. So gee, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? For sure. So, um, my path was a little different than my classmates. Uh, my classmates, uh, <clears throat> they went on and did like, got internships, got full-time jobs pretty much. I went, I decided to go home and take prerequisites, try to apply to PT okay. school. Um, and right now I, I finished like three, I did physics one and Chem one, no Chem two, this past summer. <clears throat> um, right now I'm in physics two and Chem and uh, what's it called? Developmental psych right okay. now. In June I did my volunteer. I started volunteering at a PT clinic. So I was at that. So I was doing. So I was getting my PT hours as well. I was doing some rehab stuff too. So I was kind of volunteering as a APC as well. So I wasn't completely out of the loop. So <clears throat> got my AT juices off and plus at the same time getting like volunteer hours for PT school um, I'm also well money was running kind of short paying for gas back and forth I'm kind of saying I'm staying at home so that expense is not I'm not really those expenses are low so like I had to pay for gas and stuff so I started working as a personal trainer part-time like Five, five times a week, Tuesday, Thursday, sometimes Fridays and okay. the weekend. 
um, also started like a little a month ago, volunteering with uh, Miami SC, which is a like a second division professional team soccer team oh. down here as ATC. Nice. And um, that's pretty sweet, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I tried to volunteer with them in the beginning, like as soon as I like I hit them up mm-hmm. in May. I didn't really get a response back that that much, and then I kind of got a response back when I got when I got to Florida, and like the way my schedule worked out, I had to my my classes were in the morning and they trained in the morning, so I couldn't really do that. And he was like, "Okay, well you can volunteer in the clinic." So that kind of worked out good, right? So I needed to get my hours for mm-hmm. PT school, and then my hours were pretty much finished up, and I reached back out to the head AT, and I was like, "Can I still?" come do you remember me and stuff like that and he was like for sure yeah and so <clears throat> so i'm doing that personal training i go to the clinic like twice a week to get my rehab fix going <laughs> and uh and the classes pretty much oh that's, that's awesome so still got a pretty busy yeah. schedule <laughs> yeah gotta keep busy man like for a while i was just like chilling in the house doing nothing i was like i have to do mm-hmm. some of my time yeah i find that so i, I I find that the busier I am, the more I get accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like that. Uh, that habit, like once the once you get the past the inertia and keep rolling, things just go a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. That's so. Go ahead. But, go ahead. Yeah. No, 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 no. I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> okay. for it, but... well, I was just, I was just saying that's, <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So you're able to take uh, the volunteer hours that you that you had at the clinic and, and turn it into an opportunity with this soccer team. Um, yeah, That's yeah. pretty amazing. Well, actually, it was kind of like the flip. I was trying to get hours with the soccer mm-hmm. team at first, and then they were like, nope, well, I can't do it right now, so I, you have to mm-hmm. go volunteer in the clinic. So it kind of worked out fine because I was thinking I wanted because the head APPT, mm-hmm. who was like the owner of the clinics and stuff, I thought I was going to go to this team and he would be there and I would um, get my – it would count as hours as well, but – He's obviously busy with other stuff and stuff like that, so he he's not there most of the time. So, uh, so that worked okay. out perfectly. Because if I was there, I wouldn't be able to get my PT hours. Gotcha. In the beginning, so yeah, kind of worked so, out. So, so G, question for you: um, what 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 is your driving? What's the driving factor behind you applying to PT school? Um, mm. Did you always want to go into? I mean, I know you said initially you had thought about doing the dual ATPT. Yeah. But after going through AT school, why did you want to immediately go into into PT school? Well, I mean, I have a few reasons, multiple reasons of why I'm trying to like go through it. But like, let me give you like the fancy story behind it. So in high school, I used to watch these videos on YouTube of these physios doing rehab with uh, soccer mm-hmm. teams, and I always wanted to be a physio. <laughs> Right, so I saw my athletic trainer, and and I assumed she was a physio. So I was like, okay, I'm doing athletic training. So I go to, so I end up at Shenandoah, and then I find out like their like athletic training program was like the best in the country. So that worked out great. So first end of like second year of grad school, I was talking to Jacob, a similar similar thing about this, saying something about a physio, and he's like, you know, a physio is a physical therapist, right? And that, like, <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't know how I didn't know that before. But so that was a little reason, right? 
And then otherwise, like I debated, uh, should I just be an AT and just get like a bunch of continual ed and just be a great clinician or do that plus or do that and try to go mm -hmm. to PT school. So it was just like going back and forth. Like I didn't know what I was trying to do. And then I tried to apply like really late, like last last year, and it didn't work out. Cause like yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and then, I mean, another reason like get little woo woo on you is like I love the process. Like I fell in love with the process in grad school and athletic training school of like going through the struggle of not working out in the beginning and kind of coming out on top. Like. I want to go, I want the process again, but like in PT school, like I know it's going to be hard and I'm fully aware that I can conquer it, right? Another reason, um, <clears throat> I mean, I got my master's, I got my bachelor's, I want a doctorate and uh, an option is like get a PhD in athletic training, which is PhD in anything, it's pretty much research based. and. CPT is like doctorate, it's more of a clinical doctorate, so I wanted to get better clinically. Not that athletic training school wasn't like good preparation, but like who doesn't want to like progress? So I was like PT school would be a good way to get better clinically. So that was one re another reason. Um, yeah, I mean, also like pride-wise, like I don't like, Right now, I'm a shadow, and like I volunteer at the PT clinic, and you know, P ATCs have to work under yeah. a PT, and I didn't. I mean, I I didn't really. I kind of knew that. I didn't know how it was like actually being there. I just felt. <clears throat> I just felt like <clears throat> lesser than, almost. Right, like I need. Like I feel like I need the DPT, AT to be more credible and people who listen to me, like I wouldn't mind working in a PT clinic if it was with you guys and like people who are like-minded because it would be more bouncing ideas off each other rather than, um, yeah, you yeah. do this, right? That's, and I think part of that... But like I'm not saying that clinic was doing that. I'm just like, that's, that's the energy I kind of felt and like after like ATs doesn't really get that much love sometimes and I kind of want to do both and I, I thought being both would be making more marketable mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Okay. Thought of going back and forth in my mind, but I'm already committed. So. Couple things. It. Couple things based on what you said, G. Uh, one, you're welcome for me getting you into PT school, uh, because <laughs> apparently I think if you trace all that back, it's really that conversation where I told you that uh, physio is a physical therapist. So I just want to say you're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> second, <laughs> the point about the ATCs that you just made. That's actually one thing that really bothers me oh, a lot. Yeah. And I think it, it comes from a, just a misunderstanding of what the scope of practice is with an athletic trainer. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I mean, me and, like you said, me and Mike know you. We know you're very capable of making, like, an ortho, doing an orthopedic evaluation and treating pretty yeah. much anything you, you see sports-wise. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't, I just, it just really irks me when you go into <coughs> just a, you know, run-of-the-mill ortho PT clinic and instead of PTAs, they've got ATCs. Or instead mm -hmm. of techs, they've got ATCs. Mm -hmm. And they basically just use ATCs to do like exercises that they've prescribed. And so you've yeah. taken like all the autonomy away from the AT, who mm -hmm. is is a allied health professional that is more than capable yeah. of doing pretty much everything that you would do as a physical therapist. 
with the exception of maybe like dealing with some special populations, like you know, like neuro, yeah, neuro or sure. some pediatric yeah. stuff. Completely get that. Completely get that. But I, I think it's just kind of it kind of lets you know that there's still so much more that needs to be done education wise. Yeah for you know different different professions to be able to work with each other more effectively yeah. um and i mean that goes across the board for for everybody but i also don't want i don't mm-hmm. want like any at students out there who are listening to this to think like oh my god i can't do anything with an at degree yeah because yeah. in my opinion <clears throat> one of the probably one of the best preceptors i've ever had is a guy named tyler wilkins down at exos in pensacola mm-hmm. and he is just an at but i'm not saying that like in a derogatory manner, like his credentials, yeah. like he's, he's just an athletic trainer. He doesn't have a physical therapy degree, like but he is by far one of the most brilliant people I have met in my entire life when it comes to rehab. Mm-hmm. I mean, that man like comes up with exercises <clears throat> just completely. He, he sees the, the way people move on a completely different like spectrum. I, I don't know how he does it, mm-hmm. but, um, and he's the director of the PT uh, like the rehab program down in that excess location. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can be very successful mm-hmm. and you can be in positions where you're higher than physical therapists and oftentimes more capable of rehab than a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. But it all comes down to your individual effort, your individual education and how you, you know, approach what you want to do with your, you know, with your degree and, and your profession. Yeah, totally. And, mm-hmm. you know, just to kind of echo those statements, like I agree wholeheartedly with what both of you are saying, you know, we need to be able to collaborate between health professions. And at the end of the day, uh, it's not about the credentials so much as it is the patient that's in front of you. You know, we, we talk all this about making a patient-centered approach and, and finding ways to, to, to collaborate mm-hmm. and, and what works best for the patient. That's, that's the most important thing. <laughs> you have a person in front of you that you need to help, you know, get there. Is there somebody that is more suited, has a certain specific skill set that would help them um, you know, maybe they should see that person, or if you have a certain skill set, you know, maybe you're, you're more qualified in that regard. Um, uh, but it's, it's yeah. all about knowing when to refer to, to, to different professionals and, and, and knowing what your scope is, you know, like you had mentioned, you know, there's, and that education piece is huge. You know, we really need to, to make sure that we do mm-hmm. that because, uh, right now <laughs> there's, it needs some work. <laughs> yeah. And I'm fully aware, uh, fully aware, and know my limits as an AT. I know that PT is there's a scope broader than mine, and I know that I can't work with certain populations. And I also want to say I love all the PTs who are like, "Hey, AT, what do you think that we should do?" Like, definitely, yeah, we need to collaborate more and let, not more like this oh, yeah. hierarchy kind of thing. And you know, it's like no. somebody goes down in the field, you bet everything that an athletic trainer should be going out into the field <laughs> to have to deal with that. That is, yeah. the, you know, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I know that, can, that that's probably going to open up a whole nother can of like SCS, ATC. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk about that right now, but <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm completely, I'm completely with you that like you, you got to stay in your lane. You know what I mean? Know your scope of practice, know what you're good at. But don't be afraid if you don't there, I mean there's tons of PT students that I've talked to that don't know what athletic trainers do or can do. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, like and you work with one, like talk to yeah. them. Be like, what are what are you comfortable like doing? And you know, there may be depending on the clinic that you're in, because you if you're practicing as an AT in a clinic, you probably have to have a medical director overseeing you. Um, yeah. so you're gonna have to have a doc that like you know signs off on your stuff or supervises or whatever. 
but <clears throat> just ask somebody be like you know what do you what do you feel comfortable with what um evaluations do you feel comfortable with um and and maybe even like ask them about therex because i guarantee you there's probably more athletic trainers that have a greater understanding of like therapeutic exercise and sports specific exercise than there are pts because i know from my pt education my therex classes weren't great and i feel like a lot of what i learned was either i already knew from just lifting or from undergrad or i learned in the clinic you know what i mean yeah. so i think you just need to recognize who's good at what like we said collaborate mm -hmm. But again, don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't know somebody's scope, ask. Yeah. <laughs> if any, if anything, you're going to learn something. You may even become friends yeah. with this person. Um, but there's that's just that exchange of information and communicating with someone. It's only going to make you better. Yeah. No, that's great. And that goes for that goes for PTAs. That goes for exercise techs. That goes for respiratory therapists. That goes for nurses, CNAs. You know. MDs, Kairos, DOs, dude, any anybody, anybody that you don't understand their their scope or their approach, like ask about it. This is only gonna make you better. Exactly. That's good. For sure. 100%. So, G, what what did you learn? Uh, just to switch gears a little bit. What did you learn most about yourself in grad school? Um, yeah, most about yourself. You could one word, yeah, or not one word, but just like, what did you learn most about yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I was trying to think about this. It's pretty interesting. Um, I learned. Actually, I'm gonna give you a couple things, but I learned. Um, on academic wise, I learned how to study efficiently. Okay. I also learned like my weaknesses as well, and to not forget about my weaknesses. So yeah, that's what I like. I think that kind of that kind of echoes back to something we talked about with Sam last week, Mike, um, where recognize what you don't know. Just like Gerard said, like know what your weaknesses, know what you know, but know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Know where your strengths are, know where your weaknesses are. Um, when you when you can recognize like those things, like what you don't know, I think that's really a sign of yeah. someone who's intelligent, and I think it it kind of gets your ego out of the way and it lets you be more open to um, and more receptive to knowledge and perspectives that, that maybe you don't have. Yeah, I definitely learned that during the, uh, our symposium, like our research symposium, like there was a speaker talking about, basically she just said, like, go take courses on your weaknesses. And I was like, yo, I never thought, well, I mean, it kind of ran through my mind, but like, it was just never like, now I like yeah I need to because everyone wants to take courses that they really like and that they enjoy so mm -hmm. definitely focus on weaknesses as well and bet on your strengths yeah but don't let your weaknesses like lag behind couldn't agree more that's awesome so G uh, you know you have your your ATC credential um, you've also pursued mm -hmm. uh, some of these other certifications as well. You know, you have certifications through Functional Movement Systems and also the International Society of Sports Nutrition. Can you tell us a little bit about them and maybe some other uh, certifications that you're looking into as well? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so these certifications, I usually just get them because, well, one, the certifications, they help you get CEUs. And 
the other reason is because I, I like the knowledge that I'm learning from okay. the certification, not just because I'm getting certification just for the letter. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, like the ISIN, the <laughs> nutrition one, I, I got it just because I wanted to have, like, I guess it gives me some credibility to give, like, nutrition advice sure. to athletes. Right? I spent, like, a whole year, like, counting all the macros and studying nutrition. I was like, and people were asking me, like, questions mm -hmm. and stuff. And I would answer them. So I was like, so our program kind of helped us with the certification process. And so I took it and <laughs> obviously passed, yeah. right? So it gives me a little bit credibility of getting, like, people, like, information about nutrition, especially, sure. like, athletes. Um, like, FMS, um, like, when I say FMS, I don't mean, like, functional movement screen. I mean the mm -hmm. systems, like, the screen and SSMA, like, I got those because, like, I just, I like, I reverse engineer successful, successful people. So I see Greg Cook, I see our Professor John, I'm like, they're super smart. What are they really like using? Oh, they like using FMS. So I mm -hmm. fell in love with the ideals of FMS and stuff like that. And FMS really gives me, like, okay. a system to work through. Like, how do I know what exercise to give this person? Okay, I'm going to screen them. Oh, you can't squat? So I probably won't, I won't load your squat. I'm going to teach you how to squat first. It should be common sense, but FMS really gives you that system. Same with SFMA. Are you, why are you giving these people this mobility stuff when they actually need motor control issues, motor control uh, intervention, right? It really, like, puts, you, puts a spotlight on, on what you're doing like clinically, okay. and you gives you a reason why, right? Why why are you treating hip internal rotation with that person with knee pain? Well, I assessed him actively. He couldn't get there, and passively he still couldn't get there. So he's lacking some hip internal rotation mm -hmm. mobility, right? So that's why I'm treating that. Hopefully it would help <laughs> his pain. So it kind of gives me a system okay. to run. So through. it it kind of gave you. Uh a way to kind of streamline your process and also give you an understanding of, of why you're doing the certain things that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And even at the course, they would say, like, F, like SFMA would show you what you're not good at. So there's definitely things I'm not good at that I need to, like, go get education on. That's the same, like, the next question that you're asking what others I'm looking into. So SFMA has, like, the reset, reinforce, reload, right? So reset is, like, your manual therapy or whatever you do to get somebody out of pain. So like some certs that I'm thinking about going for, well, mm -hmm. not right now, but like in the mm -hmm. future, whenever. Um, definitely like the PRI, FRC, like functional range conditioning. Wait, what is that one again? Um, Graston, functional range conditioning. It's kind of this new, I don't know if it's new, but it's like this new craze that's functional. coming up. Not, I'm not getting because it's a craze, but like I've seen, I've seen like Eric Cressy at his sports performance mm -hmm. facility have people certified in functional range conditioning. It's new like movement kind of um, way to improve okay. someone's movement. Interesting. And I've met somebody actually, well, I've spoken to somebody about, like who is like a person who is like mm -hmm. a provider or whatever. And he's talking about FMS and he was kind of like FMS or like grassing and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really like that stuff or whatever. And like, I like, even with these like certifications, like you're supposed to use these certifications to come up with like your own system. So my mind immediately when I saw SFMA and the functional rating conditioning, I'm like, 
uh, Nozell, you can put these two together. You can use them as resets. You can use them as reloads to help someone improve like some range of motion mm -hmm. or whatever. So definitely putting these certifications together and make them make your own. So you kind system. of you can. Oh, go ahead. Was, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I was going to list off some other others. But I was just you saying you you're taking. Uh, you know, some of these skills that you're acquiring in these different skill sets and, and being able to apply them in different ways to make it successful for your patient. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I think, I think um, one thing to keep in mind too, um, for like students that are listening or even clinicians, um, I mean, it's great to, to always like continually expand everything and kind of like what you was saying, you know, pull from different things, try and bring things together because no one system is perfect. Um, I mean, we're all going to have our biases and want like, you know, systems or, or algorithms or whatever that work, work well for us. I know me, Gerard and Mike too, probably are all very much like FMS biased mm -hmm. because that's what we've kind of, kind of come up learning yeah. and that's what we use a lot. Mm -hmm. But I mean, those just, just recognize that those systems aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. being able to expand that foundation that you have, that knowledge base and being able to pull from some of these different things. Even if you don't really agree with a lot of this stuff, I've heard a lot of people that don't really like PRI, but you know, gee, maybe, yeah, maybe when yeah, you take too. that course, like you'll see it from a different perspective. Maybe there's some things that you can use or that I can learn from you, and you know, maybe that'll interest me in taking the course. Yeah, yeah. So just always have an open mind, but always be skeptical too. You know, don't believe everything at face value. Kind of do your own research, play with the systems, see if it works for you, and then don't don't think that any one system is the end all be all. You know, like you're, you're your own clinician, figure out how you want to treat. Mm -hmm. So just like what George was talking about, like pull things from FRC, pull things from SFMA and then just, you know, be your own badass clinician. Mm -hmm. And others for reset wise, like Graston 2, trying to do some McKenzie stuff, even like people, McKenzie's diabetes, they don't really like SFMA mm -hmm. or whatever. Like you can use McKenzie to help treat someone in pain and reset them in pain, reset mm -hmm. their pain, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, Mackenzie, um, I'm trying to get better uh, manually with my hands. So like Thomas Myers, like manual okay. therapy courses. Um, and he is the author of yeah. Anatomy Trends, yes? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is a very interesting uh, book. Apparently he has good courses and like teach you how to use your hands, like the fascial system mm -hmm. or whatever. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm trying to do that. Uh, reinforce techniques. I might dabble in some like taping, just to, just not even just not for the letters, but to see techniques how to tape mm -hmm. people. Well, you are an AT, so like the K. You no, know, I'm talking about like KT tape. <laughs> I know, like but that. you are an AT, so tapes in your blood. Yeah, so it's just gonna come naturally, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> it's like the force. Uh, <clears throat> reload section more like the DNS stuff. What's uh, DNS? Um, to dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. Got it. It's, um, yeah. Mike, you remember some of those? It's, it's basically based on the those posture like training. developmental postures that, that children yeah. have as they're growing. Oh, so okay. like if you remember your Pete's class, like, <laughs> um, you know, babies sit at like, I don't know, six months or whatever. I think I blacked so out there's like certain postures based on, <laughs> it's a, it's a really interesting concept. I don't know if I buy the whole methodology that you have to use these in order to get better, but yeah. there's a lot of postures that you can turn into really effective exercises for things like scapular, um, retraction. And, uh, it's interesting because Brad, um, who used to live with me, who's a dual that graduated ahead of us, 
um, he was looking at the the DNS charts of like the developmental posturing, mm. and he's like, "Dude, this is basically just parts of a Turkish getup." <laughs> mm. So like, it's true. It all it, it's re- it's really interesting how that how that like kind of lines up. But part it's basically like you end up basically learning how to do a, a full Turkish getup using like developmental postures. It's it's interesting. That's really neat. So yeah. we'll uh, we'll put the links in the description for uh, the different certifications that you're kind of pursuing and, and some information about those for those that are interested. Um, and then last two, like certified functional strength coach, basically like Mike Boyle's Mike like CSCS type thing. So that's super dope. It's like, I think it's two days and they have like a pre-exam that you have to pass before you go in and then they have the education part and then you have to pass like a practical portion. Like you have to coach someone through it and you have to like perform these exercises, which is because not a lot dope. of courses and do then, that, you know. So the fact that you have a, a yeah. practical component with somebody, you know, critiquing you on that side of things is pretty clutch. Yeah, and then obviously like SMA level two, righteous. Nice, you got a, you got a lot of good stuff on your plate, you're, and yeah. you're only gonna be getting better, man. That's really awesome. I think once you get into PT school, like you're gonna have a lot to contribute to your class. And uh, I mean, definitely just from having previous grad school and AT experience, like you're gonna be, you're gonna be good, sitting good. <laughs> Some of those neuro classes may be a little bit challenging and histology, but yeah, yeah, as far sure. as like your ortho stuff goes, you should fly through that. So I think, uh, Mike, I think we're getting to that time of the podcast, yeah, where we we ask our question. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you the honors today. All right. So, wait, can I drop a random yeah. tool? Yellow. Did you guys know that the diaphragm helps with lymphatic drainage? Just let you know that. Let's keep going. Diaphragm. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm telling you. I watched. I watched this girl, this PT, do lymphatic drainage, uh-huh. like massage. And the first thing she taught taught the patient was diaphragm diaphragmatic breathing. And she's like, I guess one of the main parts of the lymph node lymph system lymph node system is. Near the diaphragm. I mean, they're and breathing helps pumping, and like, I was like, <laughs> what? I, so. I can I can buy that. There's a lot of like centrally located nodes, and I'll buy the argument that like increasing thoracic pressure and whatnot will help increase venous return. Yeah, I, I can. But yeah, <laughs> I'll buy that. I'll buy that. That was the sound of my mind exploding. By the way. <laughs> But yes, G, we have a we have a question for you. It's a question that we ask at the end of every podcast that we do. Um, so you know, at the Movement Docs, you know, we we always believe in in always moving forward, right? In all that you do, you know, based on all of your previous experiences in knowledge, in life, in love, the pursuit of happiness. What is one piece of advice that you would give to anyone listening to this show to help them be the best version of themselves? Well. It's, just, it's something recently that I've been uh, adopting, right? I have it on like the back of my, my screensaver. It's called, uh, I learned this from this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's this uh, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. right? And he says this a lot, is uh, macro, macro patience, micro speed, okay. right? So let's start with micro patience, I mean micro speed. So for example, I'll use Mike as an example, how he would adopt micro speed to his life. So. Mike goes to class eight to four, right? So his, say Mike's dream is to be own his own clinic that has strength and conditioning in it. Also wants to be an AT as well and a PT. So he goes to PT class, his class, his courses, 
eight to four. He goes after like hour break. He goes volunteers at local school to help with AT stuff. Right? Okay, goes home, eats, studies, go to sleep. That's he basically squeezed life out of that one day to reach his goal. Right? So say the next day he wakes up, goes to the local university and shadows the strength coach and then goes to class and then eats, studies, goes to sleep. He's actually squeezing the life out of each day, inch by inch to get okay. to his goal, right? But macro patience is adopting, obviously, patience and realizing that your goal of owning that clinic is probably not going to happen until 20 years from now, okay. right? So that makes your decisions each day, like, for the long game rather than taking, like, short risks early on. Realize these little one percent and one percentages is going to help you like reach your goal in the long term. Oh, that's awesome. So instead of rushing and oh, I need to do this, I need this, you just you just take each day by day and try to milk as much out of that day as you can. So that's micro speed and macro patience is the overall theme. It's kind of like you're a rabbit in a tortoise costume. You're going super fast, but you're a turtle still. <laughs> It's like a marathon. People <laughs> say don't sprint your marathon, but this is the you're sprinting your marathon right here. You realize your marathon is not finished in 20 miles, but you're sprinting each mile like you're finishing okay. that marathon. Oh, that's awesome! So it really speaks to you know the that compounding idea where you know you fit as much as you can into each every day, and that leads you towards your your ultimate goal down the road. That's great. Mm-hmm. But the more important is the patience part. But both is pretty much important. Because if you're not doing your speed part, I mean, like, you're not really matching your, your ambitions to what you're talking about. You know, G, that, that kind of reminds me of a quote by uh, the famous bodybuilder and philosopher Ronnie Coleman. And that goes, um, everybody wants to be a bodybuilder, but nobody wants to lift no heavy-ass weight. <laughs> <laughs> and I think just just like what you're talking about, it's, it's a long game. I mean, you got to like what you were talking about before, how you kind of approach life, you got to reverse engineer what you want, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have your goal, you got to figure out, you know, what steps do I need to get there? And then it's what, you know, what do I need to get to those steps to get there? And then mm -hmm. you got to squeeze everything you can out of that day and try to structure it so that every day you're doing something that's getting you toward yeah. that goal. That's kind of, that's kind of, like how I yeah, talk about reverse engineering. That's one another reason why I like pursuing like PT as well. Like some of the most successful people I look up to are PTs, strength coaches, and also athletic trainers. So I'm like, okay, how did I get there? Well, obviously they had to go through athletic training education. They had to go through PT education. They had some strength coach education, and then whatever else their extracurricular education mm -hmm. was. So map that in my life and try to tackle as much as I can try to get That's there. Awesome, G. So, so Jake, why don't you uh, bring us through a summary of, of what we went through for this past, uh, this hour, this, this experience and this mind bending. Oh, till man. We just Dude, on. my, I feel like my brain is kind of like exploding a little bit. Yes. That like Oozing. that waterboarding feeling that Gerard was talking about earlier. I think that <laughs> it's kind of getting to me. Um, all right, let's, let's do my best to summarize this. All right, so we got a we got Gerard on, and he was in uh, our AT class, and he's a very interesting individual because he he had a struggle 
in order to get where he is today. And by that, I mean he, he had to adapt quickly to grad school while he was playing soccer, while he's still working. And he had to try and reverse engineer where he wanted to be his end goal, which he's still not there, but he's on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he kind of <clears throat> talked to us about how he, his experiences with grad school, how he had to buckle down to really change his grade situation. Went from being <clears throat> a very poor student initially to having the highest grade in his, in his cohort. Winning an award at graduation, which is pretty awesome. Um, (laughs) Then we talked a little bit about, like, you know, (laughs) his like motivations getting into PT school, how PT and, you know, AT schools may be a little bit different, um, what he's doing now to again reverse engineer his goal and then create those little steps to get where he wants to be. Um, So a lot of this discussion is like time management, uh, prioritizing what you want to do. Uh, you know, planning for the the goal ahead, like the marathon, mm-hmm. and not trying to burn yourself out in the meantime. And then we talked a little bit about um, we had a brief discussion about AT utilization in clinics, <laughs> and how we need to collaborate a little bit better <laughs> um, with you know interprofessionally. And then kind of I think the the key point here has been at the end, and that's that's his little takeaway point that mm-hmm. um, those two things, macro patients. And um, micro speed. Micro speed. Yeah, realizing that you know everything again is a long goal. We want to reverse engineer that. We got to have patience so that we can get to that end goal. We have to make the most out of every day that we have because, I mean, 24 hours is 24 hours, mm-hmm. but we can all choose to spend that completely differently. If you go in with the goal that you're going to get as much as you can to make yourself better than you were yesterday and move toward that end goal. That 24 hours can contain a lot more than it can for somebody who, who isn't as motivated as you. Yeah. So. That's awesome. I think in a very um, long summary <laughs> that hits everything. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think we're, uh, we're just running up to the, uh, the end of our podcast here. So Gerard, we really appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and talking to us today. <laughs> No worries. I'm sure we'll also really like the crickets yeah. in the background. Dude, there's so many sounds back here. I hope it doesn't like mess with the audio. That's all right. Man. We'll see what I can do in post production. <laughs> hey. You sound like a boss already. Uh, I don't know anything about podcasting. <laughs> I'm just doing what I can to be better every day. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Yeah, my good It's my, it's my hey. macro patience. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? All right. Never mind. <laughs> but but seriously, dude, thank we appreciate you coming on and and nerding out with us a little bit. Uh, there was some stuff I really wanted to nerd That's out right. on. But hey, you can always come back on. Next podcast, man. We'll get you. <laughs> uh, all right, Mike. Let's do this outro. All right. You take it away? No, nah, you can do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> man, we got to... <laughs> Uh, thanks guys for listening to episode three of the movement docs podcast gains growth and grad school with my man Gerard Tabupal. Um, as always, if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or complaints, please direct them to our uh, email account, which is TMD movement docs at gmail.com. And, uh, Mike, I just got the email, but we are also as of 20 minutes ago now live on the iTunes store. Awesome. (laughs) Feel free to subscribe you to our podcast. Um, because we're gonna be we're gonna keep cranking them out every week. 
So I guess that's uh I guess that's it, huh? Yeah. Until next time. We'll see you yeah. next week. Until until next time. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs>